please remember that the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle is the Prince of Peace. And when we submit and surrender our lives to Him, there is life in all its fullness. Welcome to First and Foremost, a weekly broadcast of First Presbyterian Church in the heart of downtown Greenville. Senior Pastor Richard Gibbons invites you to join us as we study God's Word together and discover what is first and foremost in our lives. If you have your Bible with you this morning, can you turn with me please to Isaiah chapter 9. We have been steadily working our way through Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 in these Sundays of Advent. And today we come to the title of the Messiah to be born as Prince of Peace. You'll find it on page 1072 of the Church Bible. Isaiah chapter 9, we're reading the first six verses together. Beginning rather verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for the fire. For to us... A child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. And we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. I wonder what is your special memory of Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Is it gathering with family? Is it decorating the home? Is it Christmas dinner? Is it Christmas morning when under the tree suddenly Santa has been and all these toys and gifts arrive? Wonderful memories. In my home... I was one of five, two brothers, two sisters, and myself. That's a lot of moving parts on Christmas Eve. That's a lot of excitement to contain. And one Christmas morning, I remember like almost yesterday, my brother and I were up along with my two sisters, my parents were there, and of course, as soon as we got into the living room, we are diving towards the tree, looking for gifts with our names on it. And almost simultaneously, I found one with my name on it, and I was beginning to rip it open when I heard my brother say, wow, and I looked over to him, and he had opened a gift, and it was a spectacular plastic sword. And I thought, whoa, I can't wait to play with that later today. And of course, I looked for my own, but the gift I had, I ripped open, and it was a jigsaw puzzle. And I thought, oh, I was so disappointed. 
And I looked at the picture and quickly abandoned it and pulled out other gifts. And of course, further in among all the other gifts was a plastic sword for myself. And he and I had a wonderful Christmas playing Knights of the Round Table and Robin Hood. And we fought all Christmas Day with these swords and had a wonderful time. But now as an adult, I appreciate a good jigsaw puzzle. And of course, the first thing you do with a jigsaw puzzle is look at the picture, and then you look at the number of pieces, and you tip it out onto the table, and then you start to separate out each piece. And quite naturally, you look for the four corners. And then you look for the other pile with the straight edges, and you push all the other ones to one side, and you put the corners in place, and you create a framework. And then what do you do? You look for similar pieces that have the same color and pattern and design, and you start to make a little piece. And slowly but surely, a picture begins to emerge. And every now and again, you look at the picture and you compare it with the jigsaw. You look for another piece and you're busy comparing to see what's happening. And there's a sense that over these last Sundays of Advent together, as we have come to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, we have been doing what? We're putting in place a picture that has begun to emerge. We've crafted a framework. We've noted what the scriptures teach us about a child to be born. To us, a son is given. And you remember that first week, the first piece we put in place was wonderful counselor. And then in the second Sunday of Advent, it was mighty God. And this last Sunday morning, everlasting father and this morning the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle prince of peace and we've learned in these Sundays together that Isaiah is considered one of the five major prophets of the Old Testament he's one of the major prophets first of all of course because of his size but we've also discovered that he writes in sublime magisterial terms as he portrays God as he truly is not as we are told he is not what popular opinion or sometimes popular misconception tells us but as he truly is and in these Sundays we have come face to face with God in the pages of his word and this morning we come to Prince of peace. I suspect that's a welcome theme this morning. Over the last six months across our nation, there have been moments when we have struggled. We mentioned this two or three weeks ago. When we got into the hurricane season, do you remember the natural disasters? Significant flooding. Texas and in Florida, the hurricane that devastated much of Puerto Rico. Do you remember all of that and the consternation and concern and the prayers that went up at that time? And then before we knew it, within a couple of weeks, we were absolutely horrified, shocked to the core at the senseless violence at a music concert in Las Vegas, when 22,000 people had gathered for an enjoyable evening, a Sunday evening, 
relaxing out with family and friends. And an individual in a senseless, meaningless act of selfish violence kills 58 people, wounds 528 others. And we think, what on earth is going on? Within 10 days, 28 others lose their life for a morning service at First Baptist Church, Sutherland Springs in Texas. And no sooner were we rocked to our core when one controversial report was made relating to a scandal that is difficult to even comprehend. It was so distasteful, inappropriate behavior by a Hollywood producer and then actors. And then it went to the television industry and the newsroom. And people were being dismissed from their jobs rightly when they were guilty of sexual misconduct in the workplace. And then it began to emerge in the Senate and the Congress. And during those weeks, we were shaking our head, thinking, what on earth is going on? And on this Christmas Eve, we come at last and are able to say, Father, Help us to make sense of all that's been happening. Remind us, please, of your love and your grace and the transforming power that you bring into lives. Remind us that you are wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. You are Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Back in early November, as a church, we were involved in our annual Christmas shoebox appeal. And this year, we had a record number of shoeboxes handed in, 507. What a wonderful project that is. We pick up shoebox-sized cartons. We go to Walmart and Walgreen, and we pick up toys for children and some warm clothes we parcel them all up. It's so much fun to see parents and grandparents. I remember on one occasion being at Walmart and half of the congregation were there with children and grandchildren going round the shelves, picking them off, taking it off the list, putting together a package for children in a developing world. Children who will have nothing. The church facilities during December, there are a number of Christmas trees and on each tree there are shapes cut out like angels and you take home a red tag and there's a list of gifts for us to purchase to give to families right here in Greenville who are existing below the poverty level. That entire project is this, that we purchase Christmas gifts for children. Age appropriate, it's right there on the list. We bring them back, we donate them to the Hollis School Project. And parents who have nothing come to a Christmas store, they pay $5 per gift and are given substantial gifts to wrap up. And tomorrow morning, over 300 families will benefit from your kindness and goodness and thoughtfulness. That's remarkable. That's remarkable. My question is this. Why? 
are we involved in those projects? Why do we go to the trouble and the expense? Because we as Christian people know this. We know the reality of what it means when we say, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Because we know what it means to be touched by his love. And we know that across the nation, particularly Puerto Rico, Florida, Texas, Families will be gathering, not in the home that they once had, but in a different place because of the devastation. And we know that's not right. We know that in the Greenville community, children shouldn't be living below the poverty line. And there's a deep yearning within us to say, life is better than this. There is more to life than this. And that's why we celebrate Christmas Because God has come into our world to touch us and transform us and to renew us and refresh us. And there is that deep, passionate, almost a visceral longing that there is more than what we currently face. That's where our focus belongs. Yes, it's been tough over the last few months. Yes, it's been difficult. Yes, we are concerned about the state of our nation, the moral and spiritual bankruptcy we see at times. And yet at other times we see congregations across the nation, like ourselves, willing to step up, willing to make a difference, knowing that life is better with Christ, knowing that when he touches a life, he brings the peace of God into that life. That's where our focus is this morning. We're reminded of the power of the gospel. And it begins by calling us to a better life. To a life that is full and overflowing and at peace with God. And it happens when we take that step of faith and submit and surrender ourselves to his rule and reign in our lives. And we recognize that is not an easy thing to do. That's not something we do casually. Throughout scripture, we read again and again that when God puts his hand upon our lives, when he intervenes and takes our hopes our dreams, our wants, our desires, our very motivation, the center of who we are, heart, mind, and soul, and he begins to put them together, almost like a jigsaw puzzle, in a way that we could not imagine happening until it happens. That is God at work, and that can be an uncomfortable experience. It can be an uncomfortable experience. Remember the other passage of scripture we read? Focusing from Luke's gospel chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And notice what it says. And they were terrified. 
We don't oft, often think that when God begins to work in a person's life, the response is uncomfortable, unsettling. They were terrified. You would have thought it would be the opposite. You would imagine them bowing down in worship and adoration and saying, Father, thank you. At last you have come. How wonderful is this? And yet for the shepherds, it was the opposite. There wasn't much of the Prince of Peace there, was there? They were terrified. Now, how does that balance out? And it's for this reason. That when God in all of his wonder and glory expose us to his love and grace and the majesty of that glory, that is an unsettling experience. That's what was going on here. And they were terrified, overwhelmed, where God was turning their lives upside down, looking at the patterns and colors and putting them together and to emerge a picture of God at work in their lives. That's what was happening here. Here. The story doesn't end there. What did the angels go on to say? But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. To you, He is Christ the Lord. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and here it comes, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace to men. When God goes to work, when he changes and transforms our lives, when he upsets our plans, when he brings things into our lives we could not see coming, is it unsettling? Yes. Is it sometimes concerning? Absolutely. Does it leave us unsettled and unnerved? Yes. But at the same time, in the midst of all we experience, he is right there at work, bringing peace in the midst of sadness bringing contentment in the midst of anxiety. Because that's what he delights to do. Profound, perfect peace. And please hear this. It was not restricted to that first Christmas Eve. It wasn't confined to Isaiah's day. It is for us as well. And as we try and wrap things up this morning, please hear this. In a day and age of terrorist incidents, mass shootings, moral and spiritual bankruptcy, there is hope. There is hope because sin would convince us that there is no hope. It would convince us that senseless acts of terrorism and gun violence are now normal and they're not. And the gospel does the very opposite. It tells us this, that in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the sadness, in the midst of the consternation and the concern, there is a prince of peace who transforms, who renews, who shapes and fashions our lives. And please know this, he came 
for us. He came for us. Please hear me. Let me spell it out. He came for daughters whose fathers never told them they were beautiful. He came for those who go to wing night on their own and whose only friends are Twitter and Facebook. They live in a virtual world. He came for such as this. He came for those whose lives have been decimated by drug and alcohol addiction. He came for those whose marriages are continuing to career up against the safety barrier and are threatening to flip over. He came for you. He came for those who have sinned so badly that you believe you are unloved and no one could ever love you. He came for you. He came for those who believe it's easier to neglect a child than raise a child. He came for those who believe that fulfillment and contentment is found in drug and alcohol and chemical abuse. He came for you. Don't believe the lie that that is life and all of life. It is the very opposite. He came for you. And he came for those who traffic in failed dreams and lost hopes. He came for you. He came for those who find Christmas uncomfortable and irony of ironies. He came for those who hate it and see no need of it and believe that this is life in all its fullness. He came for you. And in the darkness shineth the everlasting light. Our hopes and fears of all the years are met in him this night. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Please remember that the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle is the Prince of Peace. And when we submit and surrender our lives to Him, there is life in all its fullness. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this remarkable passage of Scripture. And Father, our prayer this morning is that for each one of us, the truth of your promises would be a living reality for us. Enable us this Christmas Eve to rest our trust and confidence in you, the living God. For you are Prince of Peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you need prayer for something or someone in your life? First Presbyterian Church offers a prayer service each Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock. Our prayer ministers will quietly intercede for you or anyone you're representing who needs prayer. 